Welcome back, visionary leaders and curious minds, to Breaking the Chain. This season, we explore leadership in a volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous world, where traditional forms of leadership are constantly being challenged. Join us on this exciting journey as we explore how you can navigate through turbulence, but also create ripples of growth and innovation. Together, we will uncover insightful strategies, learn from seasoned leaders, and embrace the ever-evolving nature of leadership. I'm your host, Nathaniel Chapman. I'm Terentia Brown. And I'm Charmaine Reed. This is Breaking the Chain. Tune in and let's break the chains holding you back on your leadership potential. So welcome everyone to another episode of season two. Our episode today is titled Leading Through Volatility. Our guest for today is Lisbeth Fuster. She is the head of GMP GSP Quality Operations at UCB Pharma based in Belgium. And I've actually been wanting to get Lisbeth on one of our podcasts for a while now. So I'm really grateful to you, Lisbeth, for taking some time out of your busy schedule. I know how busy it gets to invest some time into our community of leaders. So thank you again for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So I met Lisbeth, I think in 2021, I think that's when we first started chatting, right? And when I first met her, I knew immediately that she's someone that I want to stay connected to because of her thinking and beliefs around developing a team, which truly resonated with me. So I think we've been working together for the last two years with her team, and we're in the process of kicking off another learning journey this year. So for me, this Continuous learning is something that's really close to my heart. So I'm really excited uh, for all of you to get to know her a little bit, uh, glean some knowledge from her. She actually thrives in this VUCA world on a daily basis. Her energy is always infectious and contagious. So I promise you that you're going to leave this podcast feeling inspired and energized. So Lisbeth, if you can please introduce yourself and maybe share a bit of your career journey so we get to know who you are and get to know you a bit better. So thank you. I'm uh, so I'm Lisbeth indeed. I'm first of all a mother of three kids, which is very important for me. There's seven, five, and three, which is making my VUCA world even more special <laughs> because I have a lot of VUCA world at home too. So I'm a biochemical engineer by education, and I joined first in the telecom and IT industry as a consultant. And at one stage, I did a project completely independent uh, in UCB. They asked me and I had a very good connection with UCB. So I stayed there as an internal and I've built up slightly my career to be now, now where I am. I think every opportunity that came in my career came with a question from one of my leaders. So even if people think I'm very ambitious, I am very ambitious for myself. I want to do the right thing. I want to do a good job, but the career itself came naturally. So, and I think that's um, that's also how I like it, that uh, it comes, uh, I'm being challenged and I'm always uh, happy to keep uh, working and improving. So that's where I am. I also play a lot of sports. I play volleyball. I do padel. I do a lot of boot camps. So I have lots of social engagements with friends and family. So I think keeping balls in the air is a bit my nature. Yeah. <laughs> So that something is very normal for you. I think we came to know about that uh, early on. So in that first conversation, I remember when it was Renisha, Etienne and myself, we came off the call and we're like, whoa, we want to work with this lady. <laughs> because it is, it is, you know, just being connected with people that understand what we do and are connected and have that passion and energy. And I think that's what we really love about you. And I hope that 
the people listening today are going to get a little piece of what we what we have come to know. So thank you for sharing that, you know, when we talk about here's a leader, here's the title, but there's so much more behind the human, right? Behind the person. And like you said, you know, this VUCA world is not just from your professional platform, your professional perspective, but you also have, you know, a whole home life, three kids and managing quite a big team as well. So when did you actually first hear about this term VUCA or this VUCA world? So it's due to you, (laughs) which I was laughing about when thinking about it, because I was like, yeah, so I have to give you the credit. I looked even up when I first was in contact with you because I was challenging myself. Why did I answer? Etienne was indeed the one reaching out to me on LinkedIn. And I checked this message to see what triggered me because you have the quality and the quantity. We get so many messages on LinkedIn, right? So most of the time I always answer politely because that's who I am. But normally I don't really engage. And I checked this message and I think the reason why I answered was because he was saying, I can provide you a leadership program for your entire organization. And that for me was really what was missing. I was always struggling with uh, with the idea of I need to pick and choose between my team who I can give a training because there is a budget constraint and I can only do that many in a year. And I was, okay, I'll give you the challenge. If you can give me a leadership program for my entire organization, something that is flexible because we're working so hard and we, we need to be flexible, but also um, inclusive because I have a team across the world, so it needed to be inclusive. If you can provide me that I'm your girl, right? So we can work together. And I was explaining that there is so much going on and we have so much things that we need to do at the same moment, but I didn't know the concept, Vuka. So then when I started the training with you guys and you explained that concept, I was like, ah, yeah, that's connecting the dots. (laughs) Yeah. and, And it's good to hear that we're living it. You knew because that was your life, right? But now you had a word, you had an acronym or you had these words to actually explain and go oh, okay, actually, I'm not alone in this. We're all going through this. How has knowing about VUCA impacted the way you are approaching situations and challenges today? So I think you already summarized quite well because just by defining it, yeah. having the words and it make it tangible and understandable, it came even a bit of a joke in the team. Like, oh, you know, I have this, I need to do that. And then my kids, I need to pick them up from school. And and we're like, ha, oh, VUCA, ha, <laughs> funny. So because we knew the term across my full organization, we could better understand it and put it in perspective because we were more like, we're not alone in this, right? In the beginning, I think we all felt like it's us, it's our team, it's UCB maybe, it's all the specific challenges we have in our world. But we realized it's the whole world. In getting that training and understanding the VUCA concept, it's why this is just how it is now. This is where we are. We're not alone. This is the standard. And by putting that in perspective, it helped us to really make it more normal and stress less, but just think, okay, this is what it is. We will prioritize. We'll do this and this. And the joke and the words around it really helped us already to make it less important. I love that you said that because it's almost like giving people that permission to just breathe and go, okay. It is what it is. What can I control and what can't I control? And then people catching up with that, right? So being with that thought of there's things I can control, there's things I can't control. But I also can speak about it to the people around me. So I love that you said, 
that you actually brought that challenge to us and said, hey, this is the size of my organization. I'm not prepared to leave anybody out. I want everybody talking the same language. And we love that. And that, that's what we jumped on was because that's who we were. That's what we were trying to educate people on that. Hey, let's make this accessible to everybody. It shouldn't be for a select few. That's what I believed as for leadership development, one of the reasons I pivoted out of engineering to do what I'm doing is because I was one of those people that got selected while I was at Johnson & Johnson for a leadership program. And I felt, hey, this is a big investment in me, but what about all my other colleagues? What about my team? How do we take that same budget and repurpose. So I love that you also came in, that that was what you wanted us to do. And we found we found a really a, a good way of incorporating people, but also giving them that language. So I love that you said it was more around giving that common language. So when we look at this VUCA, you know, we always say it's not doom and gloom. When we talk about VUCA, there's this alternate VUCA, right? So that helps us to navigate through the challenges. So yes, we talk about what's not you know, going well, the challenges. But we also want to say, how do we then resolve that? How do we give someone the tools to help them through it? Because it's not going to go away. Knowing about VUCA doesn't mean the challenges don't come at us, right? I wish I wish that was the case. Yeah, if you have a solution for that, you will be multimillionaire. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? So we always say like the alternate VUCA when it comes to volatility, we can counter volatility with vision, right? So actually, I spoke about this in our introduction to the season, uh, where Nate and I were talking about what this volatility is. And I, I spoke about this roadmap, having this destination. And if once we have the destination in our mind, it doesn't matter what the detours are, it doesn't matter what gets thrown at us, we keep our focus and we can keep going. So I'd love to hear from you. Do you have any examples of that where situation was volatile? What tools did you use to understand that situation? How did you help your team stay with the vision so that they they can move forward and, and move with focus? Yeah, of course. So I think at the moment in UCB, we are launching three products across the world at the same moment. So that on itself is a very complex situation we're in. It's very good because it means it's good for the company. But on the other hand, we have so many balls in the air and we need to, we have so many countries, requirements, so many people that are involved from the sales team to the HR team to the operations and our development teams, of course. And in that context, every day is a new challenge. We always have things that we plan for and that goes south or that goes different than we thought. We get questions from authorities. We have issues at manufacturing. So so that volatility is just the standard at the moment. I think from a vision perspective, we are clear. We want to launch those products. So there, that's really good. We are clear. UCB, the company is very clear. We want to get there. But this constant change, is it's also a pressure for the people to have a clear vision and to really understanding that's what we need to do they better make it happen, right? They better deliver. So when then things are happening, it's easy to stress and to, to worry. And that's where we really need to work with our teams to help them. So personally, I help them to really say, stop, breathe. <laughs> let's think about what happened and let's prioritize again. Let's see, is it really as bad as it first feels? Because sometimes if something happens and you're so much in your 
in your work, in your day-to-day, it's like, oh, this is such a disaster. And if you take them back up and say, okay, wait, in the bigger picture, maybe it's not so bad. Or maybe we can do it like this or like that. So help them, stop them, breathe, and make sure that they can prioritize. I think this is really important. And I think by connecting the dots, having the bigger picture, that's as a leader, you can really help them. So I think we need to be try to be proactive, but this is just not always possible. Absolutely. I love it. It's such a, such a simple framework, the stop, breathe, prioritize, and repeat. Hey there. I hope you're enjoying this episode. If the VUCA topic has got you hooked, we've got something exciting for you. Join us at our groundbreaking live leadership event on June 6th in London, right by the Tower Bridge. Keynote speakers, engaging panel discussions, leadership workshops, and networking, all geared towards empowering your leadership journey. Ready to dive in? Then secure your spot now at impeltalent.com and let's make this day unforgettable. I look forward to seeing you there. And part of, you know, we were training around the stop and reflect. And, you know, sometimes I, I teach on the concept and I always say to people, I know this is not rocket science to stop and reflect, <laughs> right? But we actually need to remind ourselves to do it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm so happy to hear that, you know, you are role modeling that behavior. You are saying to people, okay, I'm not saying don't tell me what's going on. I'm saying, let's just stop. Take a breath first, though. Because we are just constantly in this mode of feeling anxious or, you know, feeling pressure. And you're saying, take a moment, stop, breathe, and let's prioritize. And the priorities are changing. So have you found that, like, you know, you can talk today, they prioritize? Absolutely. And I think the 80-20 rule is also super important because I, so I'm in quality, which means is we ensure that we have the right product to the patient, right? That is the right quality, that it's compliant with the regulations. So my team is very detail-oriented <laughs> by nature, right? They are the people that will check if the rules are followed, if everything is good, if the, every, the product is in the right quality. So the 80-20 rule doesn't come natural to them. They love the 100% perfect. <laughs> and that's also something we need to do. And that's what I mean with prioritization. That doesn't even mean that we stop something. It's an option. But it could also be, look, enough, 80-20, this is good enough. Let's move. And go to your next topic. Let's try to balance your time and balance your uh, your well-being is super important. And if we go too much into the stress and we need to do everything perfect, we will not make it. It's just impossible in the current context. So we need to help them. But it's difficult when you're in in it yourself. You need somebody else to take you out. So they know they can always reach out to me. And they know I had a call yesterday by accident. Somebody at, I think, seven or eight. Just send me a note. I just need three minutes from you. It's just, I need to ventilate. You need to just help me. And I did exactly what I just explained. And after she said, okay, I got this. I'm ready. I said, stop working now. Start again tomorrow. <laughs> because keep working doesn't help neither. But this kind of little interventions can really make a difference, I believe. Yeah, I think that's such a great picture you've just shown. Also creating that environment where people feel safe enough to say that to their leader. How are you finding the cascading of that, that what you are role modeling? Do you see that being cascaded through your leaders to the rest of the organization? Are you hearing stories from the people that are lower in the levels? It's a combination, to be honest. I think that my leadership team, for sure, I'm, I'm trying to lead by example, and I'm also reminding them, stay positive, positive vibes, we got this. So I see them doing it for sure. 
but I'm also very deliberate in my connection with my organization. So for me, this is one of the biggest things that I keep doing is because you just said indeed correctly, they need to trust you to be vulnerable with you to share that they're stressed or that they cannot or that it's too much. And I spend a lot of time on that. So I have two things specifically that I do. First one is I have a one-one with my full organization once a year. It seems not a lot, but it is because there is a lot of people in the team and that I'm really trying to keep the connection with them to understand what their struggles are, to still know, you know, when they got married or when they got the, the little things that I'm still aware, but also what their biggest struggles are. So I keep that trustful relationship with them. So when they are in trouble, I'm not someone high in the tower that they, nobody knows. I'm a normal person with my own struggles and they can open up to me. So it takes me a lot of time, but it's so worth it. And the second thing I do is I ask them every year to send me their biggest achievements, personal and professional. And I also like the personal because I know what travels they did, that they had babies and they moved countries and some adopted cats. Uh, I don't know. The list is... Um, we had so much, I have so much fun reading the emails already and I get videos and pictures, but also the professionals, of course, and I make a quiz out of it. So it takes me a full day to make the quiz, but then I do a quiz at the end of the year with my full team. So everybody can get to know each other better, right? And then they also, so with that, I also try to keep the connection and know what they're doing. So to make sure that I am part of their it will be maybe not work with everybody, but like 90% of my team, they trust me. They can come to me and my LT is super important and they have the first line. But with connecting with them, they know that I'm there too and that I'm not just looking at strategies alone. So the connection for with the team for me is super important to have those little three minutes here and there or in the corridor to bring them back up to speed and to help them and to support them. So it's a very deliberate thing that I do to keep a connection. We've always been amazed over the last couple of years because the first year you said that you were going to do that, Renisha and I looked at each other and we thought, how does she get through all of these people in one-to-ones, right? And prioritizing it. But it's it's what you said. It's something that's high on your priority list that if it's it's one deliberate contact point, it is possible if you plan and prioritize it. And you've kept to kept to your word and you do it. And you've also find, found fun ways of engaging everybody, connecting them. Like you said, you know, sometimes it depends on the different personalities that we have on teams. We have some people that it comes very naturally to, to build relationships, connect, build that network. And some people need the support. And I love that you've recognized that even on your team and you say, okay, the ones that it doesn't come as easy. I'll be the one helping to make those connections. And then once you have maybe one connection point, you can now take that next step and connect directly with somebody else in the organization. So we've loved that. We've loved seeing how you have challenged us to also bring some of that into into the learning journeys to really keep that freshness, keep the networks going. People are able to connect with each other, work with each other, the ones that don't work on a daily basis as well. And that is also very important because as you have only 40, 60, whatever hours you work in a week, right? So if it's all leaning on you, that doesn't fly, are you? I cannot be in a team that it's always needs to be me to be the savior. So that can definitely not be the case. And I think that 
what I try to do with you guys and what I still completely support is so I have six pillars in my organization and they're still working quite independent huh, because they do different things. And with what we did together, we have made groups across my team. So they were we had six pillars still in Impel and we change them every year. But they're different groups, completely different groups with a leader that is not their own leader. And that connection that they can really learn to know each other and really be one team. And I always use the hashtag one team because in all my day, no, it's really important for me. We are one team. So help each other. If you see somebody is down or stressed due to the VUCA world, we are moving around. Talk to them. Help them, help each other. And by bringing those connections due to the program we do together, you feel that the team is much more aware of each other. They, they know each other much, much better. And this really helps us a lot in the day to day. So I think that the connection, not just with the leader, but the connection in general across the team is extremely important to, you're not alone. And if you're panicked or frustrated, you can make wrong decisions. So I really want them to know, like, look, we believe in you. I believe in you. And your colleagues believe in you and we can do this. We'll do it together and we'll do it as a team, but we'll get there. And with that, I think they can sleep at night. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, people always feel if you, you set a meeting to talk to someone about what you're going through, that other person needs to have the answers for you. But, but most times, actually, the answer is within you. You just need someone you can trust and and like you said, the ventilate or just be able to be open, share the thoughts, bounce ideas off. And I think that's where you were talking about how can you create that space where it doesn't always have to be, you know, you going to your leader. You can go to your peer, you know, you go to colleagues and ask as well, right? When the relationship is there, it's so much easier to do, right? But when there's no relationship, you feel the only person you can go to is my manager because that's that's who I have the closest relationship to. And I love that you said that because the organization is huge. If you imagine putting all the pressure on your LT, on you to resolve everything that everyone's going through, it's not going to be a high performing team. It's not sustainable. Not when we have, you know, another VUCA element coming at you around the corner almost on a daily basis, right? It's not just, you know, like a pandemic where it was so big, but do you find that you are seeing these VUCA, these challenges daily? It's not just once in, in a, in a while. Yeah. 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 Every day, constantly. And personally, I think what is also important to keep in mind is that the resilience of people is different. My HR partner, which I love, <laughs> keeps reminding me that not everybody is equally resilient. And I think this is also something we need to keep in mind. I'm personally very resilient, right? I even, like you said in the beginning, I thrive in VUCA world, right? I'm, I'm good in uh, looking at the bigger picture, decision, move this, dare up. This is what I am. This is how I am, how I operate. But not everybody is like that at all. And I think that brings them to the resilience of people. What can they manage? Some people can, with a small thing that changes, really be caught out of guard and really stressed. While others are like, yeah, okay, we will manage. So I think knowing the organization, knowing your team, but even your stakeholders, your colleagues, not just within the team, right, outside too, and adapting how you operate to the resilience and the resilience against the VUCA world, I would say, is super important. And my HR partner keeps telling me like, not everybody is like you, Lisbeth. I'm like, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> so it is good to be reminded by somebody else about that and to also adapt your ways of working to the people in the organization. 
You raised such a good point because this is one of the topics we're going to be also working with your team this year on the resilience. So one of the things that also comes to mind when we've been learning about this topic ourselves, because we learn it and so we can then transfer that knowledge, is like you said, there's some people that have the natural disposition of being resilient. They have been through many, many challenges in their life and they've they've actually built it also over time. So some people may be born with a certain level. Some people are learning it. So we we have seen that you can actually learn it. It is a skill because it is a mindset shift. It's how you look at it. Like you said, I come in with a smile because I choose to come in with a smile. So I think that's an important piece. And you said also something really important. You were saying, you know, there's sometimes people actually don't have that high energy and it's it's also okay. It's also to be okay with not being okay. I think that is also something when it comes to the resilience. But then how long do you stay in that state, right? And what tools do you need? And that's something you need to monitor. And I think I even use it at home. I don't know, and I cannot quote a person, but at one stage I heard something about people that said in a relationship even, I'm at 100% today and I'm at 20, I'm at 50, I'm at today. We're sharing that to each other. Because if I come home and I have, I worked already 10, 12 hours and I have three kids that only want my attention and are jumping on me and want to read with mommy and want to do this with mommy. And I see my husband like, I cannot handle it anymore. We voice it to each other. We're like, he can say like, look, for him wasn't alone with the three kids before, right? So I'm easy when I come home from work. Like, can you please? And by voicing it, saying like today, just not my day. I cannot handle it. It helps. And I think not just in personal, but also professional, just be honest. If you have a bad day, a bad week, even a bad month, be transparent about it and let the energy, that's why energy for me is still so important, from others compensate for maybe the energy you're lacking at that moment. And by being transparent and open, it works, but you need the connection and the trust. Otherwise, people will not share that with you. So it's all connected. It's all connected. Actually, I heard that it was Brene Brown was sharing what she does with her husband. So I'm sure it was that it was a small clip. Uh, it was, I think it was on LinkedIn. She was sharing that, that just being able to vocalize that percentage. It's not an exact science, but it's just sharing with somebody else, communicating. So I think that communication piece is also quite key in the VUCA world, right? Understanding yourself first. Where are you? and then being able to articulate it to someone else, which I think is key. So what advice would you give an emerging leader regarding skills that they can develop in volatile situations? What would you say to those leaders? I would first say, I think, don't take your team for granted. Listen to them, connect with them, build that trust. Don't just assume they are doing everything in that VUCA world. Make the effort to connect with them. I think secondly is try to shift quickly. Try to be the rock that they need to make the hard decisions and to really help them to make those decisions because for you, because you're a bit having the bigger picture, it's easier. So take that accountability as a leader. You need to, be, you are accountable for that. Take the accountability. I think third is still let experts help you. Experts of HR and in my, my case and you guys, but don't assume you need to know everything yourself. I think it's fair to say that even if you are, and I think I am very caring as a leader, I don't know everything. I also still need to learn. Even at the end of your career, you still need to learn. So build on that learning experience, build on that experience with your team, with your stakeholders, that everybody keeps learning and that 
we are helped by experts like you. And I think the last one is fail and learn. It's okay to fail. Everybody makes mistakes. Don't be too hard on yourself. Step by step, you'll get there. And so with that, I just want to say thank you. I knew you were coming to give us some nuggets of gold. I really call them that. Can I give you still one more challenge? Go for it. Tell me. Because on one hand, I like that you say I was an engineer. I loved all of this. So I went into training. Would you ever go back? Because I think leaders like you is what we need in industry. That's a very good question. It's always on my mind. And for me, I will never say no, because, you know, 10 years ago, I would not have even dreamt of me doing what I'm doing today. So I never close the doors on uh, on what's happened and what's happening, what's going on. We never know. You know, we have people coming into Impel Talent, more coaches, and I may want to go back into engineering. But I feel very connected to the, the technical mind. We get to work with quite a few engineers. And um, it is, I do feel my purpose and calling is to build more leaders that can actually go out and, yeah, propel this sort of thinking forward. So the answer to that question is we never know. And I'm staying open <laughs> to what what happens uh, in the future, for sure, for sure. But thank you for that uh, challenge. And also thank you for joining us and sharing uh, from your experiences and just giving us some very practical tools. I think what you've shared today is what you do. It's not just theory that we've picked off the internet. It's something you are living, you are seeing value come out of it. So really, thank you for sharing those very practical practical aspects and tools with, with the community. And thank you everyone for joining us and listening to us. We are going to be rolling out these episodes in a quite a frequent manner. So feel free to download on whatever platform you listen to. And we look forward to having you in the next episode. Hey, thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe. You can listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, or even on our website at www.breakingthechain.online.